Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Attention. Attention. Rosetta Stone invites you to be a part of its biggest language learning event in history. Because in 2011, we want to help 3 million people learn a new language. That's why we're going to give you an absolutely free demo of our language immersion technology. Call 1-800-522-1164. Developed to fully immerse you in your new language, the Rosetta Stone solution is easier than ever before. For your free demo, call 1-800-522-1164. 1-800-522-1164. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel, and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And this show today is, Nancy and I are pretty excited about it, and we have a bit of a uh, confession to make. We haven't prepared for this show, but we often don't. <laughs> We've both been so, so busy, but we know it's just going to roll, and it's just going to happen, and they always do. So big welcome to everybody listening in uh, from all over the world. The show's really, really picked up in popularity, and that's great. And you can always save it as a favorite through Blog Talk Radio, and also to pass it on to your friends because it really is a bit of a revolution of empowerment of really breaking free from painful relationships and really empowering ourselves so we can create the life and the love we want. And look, it's been really, really wonderful that many people um, are really accessing a lot of my information about narcissism and really getting to the deeper, deeper truth of it and really quickly and powerfully way finding their way back to their true self and their power and the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program has been a really big part of that and I'm just getting feedback daily from people on the program that are just saying that, you know, it, in such a short amount of time I actually had uh, an email from one of the lovely ladies who's on the program this morning and in two weeks she has accessed nine out of ten out of the uh, MP3 healings. She's been going through the information and the e-books and she said she cannot believe the difference that she feels. So people that really, really do commit to the program can get out of years and years of pain. And she was in a marriage with a narcissist for over 20 years and is now finding her way back to her glorious true self and creating her real life. And, you know, it's never too late. It doesn't matter where you've come from, how painful it's been, whether you've been with a narcissist for six months or decades. You know, you can claim your true self and understand that all of this was a gift to give you back to the real you, to create your real life. That is not dependent 
on what somebody else, a specific person is or isn't doing. We don't get our power in our life through other people. We get it through ourselves and then we create what matches us. And that's the hugest, biggest lesson out of all of this stuff. So I'm going to bring Nancy in. So hi, Nancy. Thank you again for joining us today. Hi, Melanie. No, great to be here. I think this is going to be a great show. And hi to all the listeners again. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how we do this, isn't it? You know, we were just both saying how busy we are and what we're doing and, oh, my gosh, it's time for the radio show. And I know. I always seem to come flying in the door to just sort of just, just land in time to do this show. But I'm, I'm always planning to do so much more before it to get stuff together and never get there. But, uh, yeah, we yeah, seem we to do. wear it anyway, we... so we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we have those discussions about preparing and things. But you know what? I think I think the great thing is because... You know, this has been such a, a personal topic for us and it's just narcissistic abuse. And because we've had such a fascination and, we've, you know, we've learned so much and been involved with, you know, so many people that are going through it, I, I think we just, we, we do, we just know this stuff and, and we yeah, just speak from the heart about it. We always seem to be on the same wavelength too, so, yeah, you we know, do. even we when do. we get on to topics, yeah. <laughs> we do. Okay. So the rundown of the show today that we're doing, we are going to be discussing why narcissists target nice people who have a great deal of empathy to give. Does this make empath victims or is there a deeper reason going on? How can you be an empath yet learn healthy boundaries to know when it isn't or isn't applicable to give? How can you still be a nice person in the world and know that you can be safe and not mined by other people for their own selfish and abusive reasons? So, you know, anybody that's listening into the show, the chat show is open, chat room, sorry, you are more than able to put up a question if you'd like to or have a discussion amongst yourselves and I'll be watching. And also too, if anybody would like to ring into the show to discuss anything with Nancy and myself, you can call in on, and now I always give out my number, and I'll give out the right number this week. Okay, the guest call in if you're in the USA is 347-989-1262. And if you're calling from outside of America, you just need to uh, dial your country's exit code, then put a 1 in front of that to get through. So that would be 1347-989-1262. So, you know, Nancy, this specific topic about empaths and narcissists, this is a really big topic that goes down in a lot of different ways on a lot of narcissistic abuse forum boards, doesn't it? I've seen it. Cer certainly You've does. seen it? Yes, yes certainly does. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit about that. Off? I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, what I what I actually find is I think empathy is the key to this whole thing on both sides. And um, from what I've seen is with empathy, and I mean, I suppose just to go just to sort of reverse a bit and just explain what exactly is empathy, because you try and explain it to a narcissist, you haven't got a hope in hell of getting through. But Simon yep. Baron Cohen, who writes a lot about emotional intelligence and that sort of stuff, actually puts it this way. Empathy has actually got two components. And the first component is the cognitive component, which is, see, I have got a couple of notes, <laughs> the drive to identify another person's thoughts and feelings. So just to be able to identify that another person has 
are feeling hurt or whatever they're feeling. But the, the second component of, it, of that is effective component, what he calls effective component, and that's the ability to have the emotional, an emotional reaction, which is the drive to respond appropriately to another person's thoughts and feelings. And when you actually break that down, a narcissist is actually has the ability to do the first one, but never has the ability to do the second one. And I think that is one of the things where we get a lot of there's something not quite right here because while they may even listen to what your problem is, they do not seem to be able to respond effectively to it. And even if they do respond, the response is not right and you think there's something not right here. And a lot of, obviously, a lot of the, you know, um, psychiatrists or whatever that study narcissism actually use the term they, they know the words but they don't know the music. And that's where yes. that's where that whole phrase sort of comes from. Yes. So, yep, you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I definitely, definitely do. So the interesting thing is, is that narcissists seem to make a beeline towards people that have empathy. Certainly. And and I I, I think it actually, I'm going to actually go out on a limb with this show today. I'm actually going to say that narcissism and and empaths actually might come from the same place and and to explain explain that a little bit better um, I'll use, I'm probably yes, going I can to feel use a lot the, of people bristling here but that's okay yeah I, I to, yeah I know this is going to be a, a bit of a big one but just yeah just bear with me what what ha I'm going to use the actual example of child abuse okay because it, it's, it's easier to explain rather than just something that happens in childhood that probably may, may or may not be um, viewed as abusive. You, it, you take a highly uh, sensitive child, right, and probably by about, about the age of four or five, if they are going through probably a lot of, say, a volatile household or a lifestyle or something, there's two things that can happen, and this is a lot of the research I'm doing is actually bearing a lot of this out. And the child is going going to shut that they see as what what gets them hurt, and that is what um, what they see as love coming their way. And every time to them, love is associated with pain. So what they do is they shut down the ability to identify with another person, or don't develop it to start with because all they want to do is protect themselves. So if anybody does approach them in any way, it's, it's, it's immediately attacked to lash out. That goes in one direction, and you end up starting to develop the beginnings of the narcissistic personality disorder. The child that goes the other way, actually, same, same situation, is highly sensitive, actually wants to protect their whole environment. But the one person that they don't protect is themselves. They actually look to try and see how they can make things right for everybody else. So what they do is they overdevelop their empathy for everything around them except themselves. So you actually have two children going in completely opposite directions. When you get to the actual empathy curve, if you measured empathy across the whole population, you actually get a curve and there's, a, there's, there's probably, what, 5 and 10% of the population on the very low end, then, every, then, then, you, then it goes up and you've got all your average people and on the other end of that curve, it comes down again, and you've got your empaths. So yeah. suddenly you've actually got the two extremes of empathy on the same curve. Yeah. 
Now, with a narcissist, when he comes along and he actually meets this person which is high in empathy, he knows they've got something. They've, they've got something that he... I'm going to use the term he here, but obviously we've explained this before, it can be either way. But um, he sees something in that person that he wants and he must have it. He doesn't know what it is, but he thinks if he can own that person, he can have what it is. And that's the way I see it. And obviously they find out not too far down the track that they can't, so they set it out destroying what this person has. But, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah I agree. I'm not sure where I was going with after that. but <laughs> I agree. Well, if I can just, while you're gathering that thought, you know, well, yeah. well I can just, that, that is so true, what the empath does. And I see this with women all the time. I intimately work with women. I am a women, woman. And, you know, this is something that I've become very, very aware of, that the empath, and I was the same, her model is I'm going to try and make my environment happy. I'm going to try and make other people happy. I'm going to give to them. And really what's underneath that, when you dig down into the belief systems and you get to the true foundations, her belief is if other people are happy, they're going to, I'm going to be happy. They're going to have an ability yeah, I'm going to, be to provide safe. me yeah. with happiness and safety. So the interesting thing is about when you really, really pull the whole dynamic right, right down, the empath's deep unconscious driver, and everybody has it. Everybody has it. Survival and securing my survival, my security, and my identity. Everybody, it's a human function. It's a DNA thing. It's what we all want. The empath's deepest unconscious belief is that if I make everybody happy, I'm going to be safe. So it actually does come really? from a place of self. At the deepest and that's level. right, and and that that's why I mean I, that's why I came from the angle of abuse with this one because really yes. I mean you've got the two extremes of the empathy curve right, but the the only difference is the empathy. That's the only difference between a narcissist basically and an empath is the empath that's has right. got the narcissist's share of empathy, the narcissist has none. But I mean, in saying the only difference, obviously it plays out massively differently. Yeah. Because um, right. without empathy, obviously, the narcissist... That feeling that I'm not safe, I'm not whole, and I need to somehow get that from my, my environment. So, and, but the narcissist you know, is doing the same thing, thing in a sense. Sorry, Dal? Sorry? <laughs> I said the narcissist is actually doing, a, doing the same thing in a, in, in, in a sense, except he's doing it for himself, where the empath does it for everybody else. And that's, that's right. and that's really the only difference. Well, that's right. And, and you know, and underneath all of that is the same thing. It's a wanting of to feel safe and get security and identity. Now, what the narcissist, unfortunately, has done is he has actually chopped off to an incredible amount of separation. It's me versus you. The only way I can feel safe is to pit myself against you. So therefore, in order for me to feel great, I've got to diminish you. I've got to steal what you've got to feel great. Whereas the empath is, I don't feel great, I feel empty, I feel unsafe, and the way that I get myself is definitely a healthier model in one respect because, well, I want you to feel great. I do want you to feel great. 
But if you can feel great yeah. and I give you everything I've got, then you're going to be full enough to give some of that back to me. So what the empath has done is taken a circular motion outside of themselves to try and get that feedback of feeling great rather than establishing it through themselves. Exactly, and that's yeah. where the circuit breaks down and fails because ultimately we've got no control over anybody outside of ourselves. We can't give them the feeling of great. We can't give to get. We can't do that because when we give and we empty ourselves out, then what we're going to have is a fear that we're not going to get it back or an expectation that we should get it back. Or if I don't get it back, I'm going to feel empty and I'm going to feel diminished and I'm not going to feel whole. All of those things are fear and doubt. And whenever we've got fear and doubt, they're going to play out in our lives. They're actually, you know, it's like if we pay a bill, right? If we pay a bill and we pay a bill in the feeling and the knowing, there's more from where that came from. I'm a source of abundance. I'm happy to let that money go then we have absolutely more money comes in, the universe knows that we're full of abundance and we're not going to suffer financial lack of prosperity. But if we pay a bill from a place of, you know, I'm scared that there may not be enough, I don't feel full of abundance, there's not more where that comes from, then we're going to experience a lack of prosperity. So the empath is caught, you know, Someone who's conscious and empowered is in a different energy space to the empath. Now, what's happened out there is that empaths, and I, now I'm going to tread on some toes, right? You've done it, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and just prepare yourself, everybody, be sitting down, because I was one of these people, and I really had to confront this, and I confront this with a lot of people I work with. Empaths, unfortunately, play victim. Now, yes. there's a lot of that that goes on in the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Forums, a lot. Empaths are like, I am a great person, I'm a loving person, I'm a beautiful person, I give, I give of myself. I've had conversations with people who have said, I give, I give, I give, and I'm never going to stop giving because I'm a giving person, I'm a empath, I love people, I give, I give, I give, I give. Now, these are exactly the people, exactly the people that... And this is it. They go into righteous indignation about how can somebody treat me as a loving person so horribly the way they have. Narcissists are disgusting, evil creatures that actually take and strip down and rip good people apart. Now, when they're in that reality of that righteous indignation, they're not taking any responsibility they're really saying that because I'm a good person in the world, there is evil out there that is going to try and steal my light, take my light and rip me down. Now, what these empaths are not doing, and I was one of them initially, they are not taking responsibility for loving themselves and creating healthy boundaries and feeling full within their own power. Because when you are full and you are within your own power and you take responsibility for that, you know that nobody else, any specific person, has any responsibility to give you what you do or don't want. They have no responsibility. You are responsible for getting that and gaining that and being that to yourself. 
and then attracting more of the same and making healthy choices and decisions which are this person has got the resources to be a loving, giving team player in my life. And it is not about being incensed or destroyed or victimized by believing that everybody should be the same that you are. True unconditional love and empowerment is acceptance that everybody exists. There are people with resources, there are people without resources, and true, if you want to be a true empath, which is a loving, unconditional person, which is the true state of love, you love the world enough and everybody in it to allow them to be whoever they need to be and not have righteous indignation about having to change them to make you happy. And, and yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah, I'll, exactly, and I put my hand up because I was exactly the same um, for a while there. And, um, you know, like acceptance doesn't mean you have to stick around and put up with it. It's, it's not what it means. So, you know, you can you accept that it is what it is. It doesn't suit, doesn't suit your world. You simply move on. And um, exactly. And like even going back to you know like with the forums and and the playing victim and and you know I suppose initially that's going to go on go on for a bit until you know they start moving through it I suppose but um, you you do see a lot of them really do hang on to that and another another thing too is is like they'll all admit to being empaths all of them very quickly will admit yes I'm an empath but they will not admit that there's any codependence associated with that. And that's right. Being an empath actually predates. You'd have to be an empath to be codependent to that degree. That's right. That's right. Unless, of course, you're a narcissistic codependent, which can exist as well. So. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. E exactly. So that's the distinction we're really, really wanting to make. You know. So you know, I used to wear the badge of being an, an empath. I used to wear it. Absolutely I did. Now I don't want to be an empath. I really don't. Exactly. Because I know mm. an empath is an oversensitive person that hands their power over trying to make others happy to secure their self. And that's codependency. And it's not healthy. So now... Yeah, so now the model that I align with is a conscious individual who is love. And a conscious That's individual right, yeah. who is love, first and foremost, consciousness is knowing that you are the centre of everything you attract. And you have no power over anything over the outside. You only have power over your beliefs, your values, and your alignment with the vibration that you want to put out into the world that's going to create more of the same. So as a conscious person who knows that you're a part of source, you are love. You are all that is. So that gives you a starting point of knowing that you don't need to obtain things from the outside to be yourself. You already are what you want. You are that. So then as, an, as, a, as a conscious, loving individual, you know where to share love where to encourage, where to inspire, and you know when it's none of your business. And that's very, very important yep. because as an empath, when you're handing over power, you make it your business. I feel exactly. for you. Yep. I want to help you. I want to change your life. I want to do... And quite frankly, 
when you were doing that for somebody who has no desire to change, which the narcissist doesn't, who is only going to use that to dump, degrade you and rip you apart for supply, you are not helping yourself and you are certainly not helping the other person because when you're being an empathetic person and you're coming all in and I was this, I was totally this. As a healer, I was this. As a partner, as a lover, as a family member, as a mother, I was this. You're hurting. You're not right. I want to fix it. I want to change it. I'm an empath. I can fix you. I can heal you. Now, all I did with everybody in my life that I was doing that with, and I'll use my son as a massive example because I think mothers can understand this. We play out empath with our children incredibly. When I was trying to fix and change my son, all he did was resist my interference. All he did was stay stuck in his issues and his problems. All I did was focus on you've got problems, you've got issues, and all I did energetically was help hold him in that space of you have issues, you have problems. I wasn't helping mm-hmm. him and I certainly was not helping myself. And we can, you know, look at the whole narcissistic model and that's what we all play out when we're hooked and, and when we're integrating with a narcissist, that's exactly what we do. So what we actually do well, is... Well, exactly, because, so yeah, because, like, I mean, even Eleanor Roosevelt had a quote and it actually puts it in, in a nutshell. I mean, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So you're actually consenting correct. to, you know, actually, oh, well, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, and you'll finally see it. Well, the, the, the person that's taking is going, well, look how easy this is. And um, the other thing um, is... Yeah, I, I was I had something else there, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> That's all right, Charlie. Um, That's all right. <laughs> I know I do this. It'll come back. It'll come back. So you're not helping anybody when you are intruding into their space, trying to fix them and change them, because from your analysis, they're not well, they're not healthy, they need help. There's a really, really simple rule of thumb with everybody that you want to change their experience of what they're experiencing in their life. Offer help, stand back. And when they come to you for help and they ask for it from a genuine space, help. Absolutely. The other thing is, rather than seeing somebody broken and empty and they're not working out and it's not doing whatever it's doing, you know, for them, start seeing and feeling them in a different space, in a different knowing, in a different belief. You know, it's like with my son as an empath, when I stop being an empath, and I started being a conscious, empowered being, I saw him as finding his way. I saw him as doing a divine journey in a perfect way and that he had the wisdom within him to find his truth on it and his evolution. Within two weeks, I had a broken child that was so lost. He was nearly suicidal. He was self-destructive. Within two weeks, I had a child who, who rose out of all of that without me interfering in any shape or form because I let go and believed and felt and vibrated about him in a conscious, empowered way and he moved up into that energy. He came out of my womb. Mothers have got an incredible power with their kids to be able to create that conscious empowerment rather than interfering. And it does work. And actually, it's the less well, isn't it? I did exactly the same thing as you just described. I um, 
uh, when I went through, you know, the last phases of the relationship, which, you know, I, I was just absolute mess. Um, yeah. I, I have a daughter instead of a son, but I, I know they're of similar age. But uh, I, yeah. I felt like because I'd lost so much control of my life, I actually clung to her harder. And like I, it was sort of like I had to control her life, and I sort of thought, well, I just messed yes. mine up, and now I'm, I'm, and and it was actually a really conscious decision. I had to really sit down and force myself to do it. I had to let go, and as soon as yes. I did, the change was incredible, you know, with her. Yes. And it was just sort of like, it was sort of like from her. I think it was like a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God, she's finally let me go, and um, yeah, she just blossomed after that. Exactly, exactly. You know, because the Empress really does view it as wrong. You know, it's wrong. And I know there's beautiful people out there that donate to all sorts of things. But, you know, it can break their heart. It can break their heart. You know, like the, the situations in Somalia and all the... I mean, there's many, many tragedies in the world that are going on at the moment that are just heart-wrenching. But if you can come to a bigger picture, okay, which... For whatever reason, it is in divine and perfect order. And then if you want to promote and help and, and you know, get involved in solutions, absolutely do that. But do that from an empowered space. Give of yourself from a space in that space. Now, when you're with a narcissist, you know, you'll get a ton of resistance, as we all know. You get somebody there who they may have their moments when, you know, either through narcissistic injury or they're feigning something to get supply where they'll ask for help. Now, you know, and being an empath, you will help. And that's okay because if it feels right at the time, it does. But then when you get the resistance up and then the narcissist is turning it all around on you and they're blaming you and they're, you know, making it out to be your fault and all that sort of thing, your body is telling you your vibration is telling you this person does not want your help. Okay, they are acting like a spoiled five-year-old. They are being a brat. They are being a bully. They are being, you know, and you know what? With a child, it is the same thing. If you're a mother and you've got a five-year-old that's acting like that, you know, what you do, the most loving thing you can do for that person always comes back to your vibration. That's the really cool thing about understanding, about being conscious and empowered. When you honour your vibration, you honour all of life. So let's say you've got a child that's throwing tantrums and I hate you and you're this and you're that and you're the other. Now as a mother, if you're an empath, which most mothers do, you're going to jump in there, you're going to try and reason, you're going to lecture, you're going to prescribe, you're going to do all of those things. In other words, you're going to try and change that child in order to feel better. But if you just get it straight, and conscious and you go my responsibility is to make my vibration pull feel better what you'll do is you'll pull back and you'll go you know what little Johnny I am not gonna um, I'm not gonna integrate with you I'm not going to give you any of my energy until you're respectful and you pull back you exactly. give that child time yeah. out and you might have to do it five times in a row but that child learns that I'm not going to get anything from you until you come to me at a vibration that's respectful. I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to get on with what I'm doing. I'm going to have a conversation with my girlfriend. I'm going to put the dinner on. I'm going to you know, message some people back on Facebook. And you can throw a tantrum in your room to the cows come home. It's not my stuff. I'm not doing it. That child soon learns that you have actually done the most loving, powerful thing for that child that you could have possibly done. They have got to step up and amend their behavior or they don't get what they want. 
and that child learns very, very soon that they're not going to get supply, they're not going to wrap you around their little finger and they're not going to project their inner pain onto you and make it your fault. So it's win-win. It's win-win all the way. Now, empaths, when they're stuck in empathy, don't do that. They hand their power over to the child. The child gets to sidetrack their own evolution, gets to be able to stay in that place, in that behaviour, and will keep playing it out indefinitely. So you're actually not helping your child by doing that. And you're certainly not helping the narcissistic movement by doing what we do as empaths with narcissists. Because narcissists know they can get attention. They know you can get distraught, which makes them feel omnipotent and important. They stay narcissists because of that behaviour, because of the empathy. Because it works for them. It works for them. I mean, you can watch a family with a with a really, well, a really, um, shall we say, extreme narcissist running amok in it. And the whole family sits there and all they do is try to appease and try to appease and try to appease and all they're doing is enabling him, letting him know that that's all you have to do to get your own way and we will run around after you. And, you know, and that's what they have to do. Oh, yes, you chuck a tantrum and I'm, I'm just going to become a, you know, quiet little mouse and apologise to you forever for even breathing. So, yep. so, you know, that, that, and that, that's what it comes down to. Being an empath, you actually enable a narcissist. So Correct. that's actually the first thing that we, you know you have to step back from. And you know, even going back to the forums, like they all, all say, "Oh yes, we're empaths, but we're not codependent," and this can happen to anybody. But I don't really believe that because anybody that's in their own no. space that that is it's not going is going to put their foot down and say, "Right, that behaviour is not tolerated. You're gone." And um, you have to be on the you have to be on the empath end of the bell curve to put up with that for any period of time. Which means that you're actually playing in the playing in the codependent part of the spectrum. So, I mean, you know, that's one one thing. I'm, I do remember even initially reading up on you know what codependents were, and it depends who's writing about them as, as to what they write. And you know, it, it can be there can be a lot of different um, I don't know explanations of what it is. But well, initially it was just a child from an alcoholic family. Yeah, well, that's right. And, you know, and, oh, you have issues. And we sort of think, well, it doesn't actually tell me too much. <laughs> but when you actually go down right into it, you go, ah, now now I sort of understand. But, yeah, the people that turn around and say, well, you know, you know, narcissists can, can strike anybody. Yeah, well, they can, but not narcissists don't go after just anybody. They go after empaths for that reason. That's exactly right. Because, because you know, part of being an empath is you don't have strong boundaries. You self-sacrifice your own vibration to try and keep other people happy. So that immediately right. means that as an empath with a narcissist who is an expert of breaking down boundaries, but he will only go... boundary. Narcissists are asked in instant gratification. They really are. They go intuitively for people that have got poor boundary function. Who are empaths. And they, they, that and that's right. And they can... They can they can they can narrow you down very very quickly. First meeting, even the way they talk to you, all they're doing is testing the water everywhere they go. And you can actually go back and look at it like later on and go, 
oh my god now I see what all that meant you know but it was just sort of like say something see how you react okay we won't push that too far we'll go over here and see if we can come in on this, this angle they know when they're onto an empath very very quickly so and um, I've heard yeah, that at the it's, point it's, you know, I've heard that from narcissists that have come forward in narcissistic injury for healing, which, you know, for yep. anybody who hasn't listened to my other shows about this, none of that went anywhere, but it was actually mm -hmm. an incredible fact-finding um, sessions for me because I was able to ask yeah. them any questions and get straight answers while they're in narcissistic injury, which is a window of opportunity to get the truth. Yep. It doesn't hold. And every no, single one of them, yeah. and I asked them about that, you know, how did you meet your partner? Why did you choose your partner? And virtually every single one of them said, because I could see that she was needy and that all translated to they knew she didn't have to get good boundaries and she knew, they knew that she had something missing in her life and he could go, he could push on in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and pretend to be that knight in shining armour and take over her physical, psychic space very, very quickly. And that's empaths. Empaths, unfortunately, and that's why so much hurts them in the world. That's why they feel so sensitised and so like, I, I want to fix this, I want to change this, I'm dismayed by other people's pain because their boundary walls are very, very flimsy. They feel everybody's pain, but by feeling That's right. Sometimes they can't even distinguish between their own pain and somebody else's. It's that bad. That's right. And, and really, I believe with an empath, it's all of it. Like it is their pain because they're taking it on as their pain. You know, that's right, but that's yeah. not a conscious viewpoint because a conscious viewpoint is you accept everything is what it is. You, you you know, as soon as you start dismaying about something, like, you know, with my son, when I was dismaying about his problems and his issues, I was contributing to them. I held him in that. And that's where there hasn't been enough understanding of ultimate reality energy. You know, like life is the matrix. We see it a certain way, but are we really being educated about energetically about what is really going on? And if we're an empath and we're feeling somebody's pain, we are helping them be in pain. We're better to observe it and go, well, you're probably mm. not where you want to be at. You're, you know, but it's still a perfect journey for you. And you're still a perfect place in this yin and yang world of duality. You know, you're still learning your lessons and you're still bringing them through to other people and no matter how bad this looks, it's actually all in perfect and divine order. Now, how can I contribute to that in healthy ways? How can I allow but still be here for assistance if you're ready for it? You know, how can I take right. you to the light instead of keeping contributing to putting you in the darkness and putting myself mm -hmm. in the darkness with you? You know, it's all Which is inevitably what happens to the empath is, is, is they, they're sitting on the edge of that swirling mass of a black hole trying to pull the, pull the narcissist out. That's what they do. But inevitably what happens is they get pulled in. Exactly. Exactly. Empaths drown with drowning victims. That's, that's what yes. empaths do. And, you know, and you're so right. 
we've got to take responsibility. I remember when I read in Conversations with God, there was this huge thing about Hitler, and it was one of the biggest things that I really got. You know, we all looked at, like, the Hitler phenomena, and Hitler is the classic run-amuck narcissist on on an extreme level, you know. He was. He was a narcissist, an extreme sociopathic, psychological, psychopathic narcissist. He was. And, you know, when we in the world look at Hitler and we judge him, we condemn him, we, you know... We, we, we say all of that, and, and, you know, in Neil Donald Walsh's books, Conversations with God, which are magnificent books, they really are. You know, and he's reading them at the moment. They're, they're brilliant, brilliant. And mm. I can't remember whether it was in book one, two, one or two. But anyway, that came up, and, and you know, and, and Neil's channeling this higher consciousness, which he calls God, which is pretty amazing, because when you first start on the books, you think, oh, yeah, right. And then yeah, yeah, there are yeah. things through that you think this did not come from an average human being. This is like higher knowledge. Mm-hmm. And and the channel said that you've all got to take responsibility, that the Hitler experience could not have happened in the world unless it was allowed and unless things were ripe for it to happen. And there'd been so much prejudice and there'd been so much judgment and there'd been, you know, and the Hitler statement actually was a very powerful statement to the world of what, what prejudice, what fear, what control can do. The world needed that message. That's why the Hitler experience happened. So when we can all take responsibility, we can say, why do narcissists exist? Why is there this evil, in inverted comma, in the world? And a lot of it has to do because there are people like the empath that do not have good boundary function, that are not honouring themselves, that hand their power over and try to change people when really they've got no right to. You know, I spent years with my ex-narcissist, which nearly took me to my death, of thinking that it was my moral obligation and right to change him into being a healthy being. Now, I had no right to do that. No right. You know? And when I really got that, I can let him be in the world whoever he needs to be and it's none of my business because it is none of my business. It's his business. Now, if everybody had the same empowered belief, evil would not exist because it would find no supply. It would find nobody trying to fix it and change it in order to make ourselves happy. It would become extinct because there'd be nothing to feed off. So we've got to take exactly. responsibility that as empaths, we are enabling narcissism. Absolutely. And we can't Absolutely. lock all the narcissists up and extinguish them. We can't. And that's not the lesson. And this is where, you know, things like the atrocities in the world and trying to fight against evil and all of that sort of stuff, you know, we think that's the solution. It is so not the solution. The solution is to come home, live aligned an aligned conscious life and leave alone what isn't, then the evil would have no way to hook in, nothing to feed off, and it would become extinct. So we're all in a journey to the light, getting out of the darkness. Stop trying to jump into the darkness and fix it and change it. And when you're trying to do that with an empath, you may as well be jumping into a war scene in Beirut and trying to fix it. 
you know? And if everybody that was involved in Beirut said, you know what, I want to create a consciousness of Vanuatu, this isn't my reality, it would stop. And I really don't care what other people are or aren't doing. And my life isn't dependent on what they are or aren't doing. It would all stop. Because there'd be nothing for these people to do. Exactly. They wouldn't get Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the journey of the empath. So, you know, and as I said, I certainly don't wear that as a badge anymore because I understand the deeper stuff about it. And I've met so many women that, you know, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love, I give, I give, I give, I give. You know, and I've done a lot of work with men too. And I'll tell you, a good, healthy man does not want that. He doesn't want to be mothered. He doesn't want to be smothered. He wants to be known as a man in his own right. He wants to be trusted to be able to work it out for himself. So a good man, if a woman comes into his life just loving him and giving him and providing for him and doing everything for him, he's going to run at a million miles an hour because he doesn't want a mother. He wants an equal. Whereas a narcissist goes, beauty, this is sensational. I can mine, I can take, I can strip. This person is going to hang in there. She's going to give me lots of juicy A-grade supply with arguments and I'm just going to have to say a couple of comments like, you don't care about me and she's going to give me supply for three hours being distraught about how much she loves me and I'm going to stand there and be omnipotent and go, I am so powerful because look at how I can affect another human being. So exactly. So a narcissist is, you know, the more loving, the more giving, the more the narcissist goes, fantastic. I can dump my tortured self on you, make it your fault. You're going to be get bereft, which makes me feel like a god, and I'm going to be able to take and take and take and take and keep raising the bar and raising the bar. And because you're righteous about what a good person you are, you are going to try and prove to me for weeks, months, years or decades what a good person you are. I'm going to be able to turn around and tell you you're not a good person and you're just going to up the ante and, you know, go into righteousness and try and make me believe you're a good person. So I've just got this endless source of narcissistic supply coming. Isn't that it in a nutshell? Isn't that that it's so easy to just make one comment here, I know that's going to stab you through the heart, going to send you into, yep. into a spin and I'm going to watch you yeah, run on that little merry-go-round. And, you know, once you actually see what, what they've been just easily making you do, it's like you look at yourself and you go, oh, my God, that was me. <laughs> that's what I was doing. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's exactly and you what know what? You know, so right, Nance, the empath is highly susceptible to that one comment. You yes, know, he used to one. say to me, he used to say to me, "You don't love me," right? Now, yep. when I was an empath, I would run around like a lunatic, trying to prove to him mm-hmm. I loved him. You know. Now I said to mine one. Even even I even said to mine one. I had enough big type personality yep. in my space trying to do that projection and that twist. And mm-hmm. somebody said to me, "You don't love me." I would actually say, "My responsibility is to love myself." That's yep. what I'd say. 
Mm. That's it. And they could do with that whatever they want. Because it's true. Because when I love me, I love everything in healthy ways. And when you're full of your own love and your own centre, then you love appropriately. Exactly. But, you know, it's, it's, it's on the same thing. Oh, you don't do enough for me. And, you know, mine's now is oh, you're not my responsibility. Simply, you're not my responsibility. You're responsibility to yourself. Perfect. How many women could put their hand up to that one, you don't do enough for me? My yeah. God, I can see women all over the world putting their hands up and going, I've heard that one. I could see it too. I can, I can picture it right now. They're, they're all nodding going, yep, that was me. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. And the I don't love you and you're a bad person and you don't care about anyone. But oh, yourself. well, everything, everything that you're a little bit vulnerable on. You're not very good looking. You're not much of a mother. You're not much of a woman. Oh. You know, all of these. And they're just, they're just little, little throwaway comments that come towards you. And um, yeah, and you take it. Oh my God! Why? Why? What, what is wrong with me? I I do this and I do this. Yeah, back in the little spin. And they just they just and, and what always used to get me was the smirk that used to go with it because they knew exactly what they what they do. With oh, it, they're, know, they're, they're masters at it. They're masters at it, and yeah. we have big, open, wide, gaping holes for them to be able to do it. You know, yeah. when you are an empath and you are, you know, because you do, as an empath, you pride yourself on being a loving, caring person. Like, it's, it's, it's a huge part of your significance. So, and I know I was, as a mother, as a pet, you know, owner, I love my animals, you know. So, he used yep. to say things like that, you're a terrible mother, you're a bad pet owner, you know. Yeah. And then, oh, God, and that would hit me through the heart, and then... My whole thing was, as a codependent empath, is my identity depends on what my partner thinks about me. So then you're going to yeah. overdrive, trying to get him to take it back, trying to change his mind, trying to, you know, get a compliment or, you know, all, you, all that sort of stuff. And that's what empaths do. But when you're in and then you just dig yourself up. deeper into all that responsibility. I'll do this for you. I'll take care of that. I'll do this. I'll show you how good I am. I'll show you what a wonderful person I am. But you know, the whole you, the whole time you just yeah, just digging a massive hole for yourself, and he's they're just watching you do it with with a grin on their face actually. But yeah, and I think you know the other thing too is you know when it comes to the bell curve of um, narcissism on one end and empathy on the other, an empath cannot comprehend no empathy in a person they cannot even oh. get their head around what the hell it is because they've got so much of it that's how they operate that that to be you know having this person you know even with their throwaway lines or whatever actually saying that to you well they, there must be something behind it because nobody would say that without a reason or believing it or something and that, that you know I, I guess that's that, that's the struggle that you go through for a very long time when you're in the relationship is this person does not have empathy. They do not have any. And to try and actually sit down and pull yourself back and go, okay, what would it mean not to have that is a really massive undertaking to try and comprehend. Because you know what? Because that is like too overloaded best, with it. That is one of the best PowerPoints so? you've just made then. That is, I'm so glad. It's like you did know. Because I, I would have, if I would have remembered that later and finished this show, I would have gone, oh, God, I wish I'd said that one. 
You know what? You keep an army. You so have. Because, because, and I see this all the time, the people that are the most powerful empaths are the ones that cannot accept the narcissistic model. And they're bereft, they're destroyed by it, they're just completely... I and they're the ones, seriously, that have some of the hardest time with the healing on this. Because mm. there are two things in life. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's two very, very models, and one light, one day. One is resistance to something that is, and one's acceptance of something that is. And acceptance always sets us free to come back into our own space and then make a choice whether or not it is our reality. And it's very, very important with the narcissist to get it through your head and the cells in your body as knowing he is a narcissist. He is what he is. Because then that takes off all of that distress of I can't accept he hasn't got empathy. Now, as soon as you go into resistance on anything and you can't accept what is in your experience, you are compelled to try and fix it, change it, to a reality you can accept, which is that he doesn't exactly. have empathy. That's the one you want to accept. Now, that is a fruitless battle of self-destruction. And it, that is, that is, that's where all the cognitive dissonance comes in because you're, try, you're trying to make sense of, of something that's senseless. You're trying to put empathy into something that doesn't have empathy in it. And you, you go over everything that was said and everything that was done and, oh, did he really mean this? And while you're doing that, you just... You will, you will just obsess over the whole thing because that's what it is and that's where people get so stuck. That's right. And every time you do that, whenever you jump into something outside of you and cannot accept what it is and judge it as wrong and you're going to actually bleed energy out to it so it's like there's big gaping holes in your boundary wall and the, the material, the liquid inside you, if you want to imagine a vessel, is called self-esteem. And what happens is your self-esteem is draining out the holes in your boundary walls by you judging and not accepting something outside of you because your DNA is saying, if I can't accept it, I have to turn it into a form that I can accept. Now, that's an impossibility with a narcissist. So it is so about, you know, and there's lots about that in the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program in the MP3 healings and shifts in those is about the relief of acceptance because when you go to acceptance, your boundary walls close up, you maintain and retain self-esteem that is always producing inside of you and you start feeling whole and, you, and it's a huge lesson for all of life is acceptance. Acceptance. Acceptance yeah, of things. Just name the game. Name the game. Name what it is. Just say, yeah, it is, it is what it is. You can't, you know, yeah, you can't make a purse out of a sow's ear, so they say. If it's a sow's ear, it's a sow's ear. I mean, you know, there's That's many right. things that you could throw into that one, but yeah, was it was that in your work? Name the game because I always remember that one. I don't know where it came up, but it was just sort no, of, that wasn't yeah, mine. Just I can't look at what it is. That one. It is. It look. It is that one. Is one of the yeah. most powerful spiritual understandings of life. It is what it is, and with a narcissist, they don't have the neuro pathways for for empathy, compassion, conscience. It is what it is, and when you understand that, you can go. I can allow you to be whatever you need to be. It is what it is. It's just not my reality. I don't need to change it 
do anything to feel at peace. It is what it is. You know, and that's where when you hear about people that get on the other side, and I say it and a lot of people say it, that have done this journey through to vibrational acceptance, you don't care. Whether he marries the most beautiful person in the world, you don't care whether he falls off the end of the world, you don't care if he makes a million dollars or he ends up with one cent, you don't care because it's just no longer your reality. Now, everybody that is going through narcissistic abuse who has gone through every single twist and turn, we all know what that is. What you want, you all know. I know, I used to hit the floor screaming you know, after another abusive, mind-bending phone call, and I'd go, God, help me, just disconnect. Help me stop this. Help me get out of this. Help me, get, help me get away from this monster. You know, I wanted that acceptance. At that point, I didn't understand it enough, and I didn't know how to do it and get there. Now I do. You know, and then when you do get to the other side and you do get all of that acceptance and all of that gift of coming home to yourself and aligning up to be a conscious, empowered being, you don't care. It's just not your reality. And you're free to create a reality of Vanuatu instead of being stuck in Beirut, which is horrific. So you, you've got to do that. You've got to. You, your biggest goal here. You cannot change the narcissist. Your biggest goal is to get acceptance on all of this, not just as a thought, as a knowing, as a content just-isness. And when you've done that, then you line up with creating your real life and you stop being an empath. Yep, totally agree. We're out of time. We're just about to realise. Really? Well, we've got three and a half minutes. Three and a half. <laughs> three and a half. <laughs> yeah. A lot can happen in three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can have epiphanies, you can come back to true self, you can... Lots can happen in three and a half minutes. But, you know, look, we know that this show is controversial and we know that... But, you know, really what I urge you to do is get out of your head and your empathy is a badge and really, really come home to your heart and the truth on this because it's going to set you free. And then you can be as glorious. Time to get a little bit selfish, actually. It's Mm. actually time to actually turn around and just think about yourself for a change. So that's the and point. when you do, and when you're full with that, you'll give in glorious ways. You'll give in beautiful ways. Like you will give to the world like you've never given, but not in ways that damage yourself and keep other people stuck where they're not where where they don't need to be. You know. And like I said, if we all came home to self and really got conscious and put ourselves first. You know, not in a selfish way, in a beautiful way. You know, in a, in, I'm responsible for my experience and everything I touch for is my experience in the world. Then you know it's important to be conscious and be full. You know, and if we all did that, narcissism, the people that are narcissistic that had any hope, not true NPDs, would smarten up their behaviour because they'd no longer get supply. And the NPDs that I am sure have been... Right, 
to help people get back to their true selves. Narcissists do a really good service out there, NPDs, for people that become conscious. Absolutely. Certainly, but I would never what? have made it, I don't think, if I hadn't have taken a hit like that. <laughs> because, uh, exactly. yeah, I, I probably would have just... Yeah, exactly. Not a million years. I always needed an NPD, because that was the only way I was mm. going to get it. You know? Yeah, but, you know, I, if we I, I, I totally that, believe that as well. Yeah, yeah. NPD out it would become extinct it would no longer we wouldn't have the wars we wouldn't have the atrocities we wouldn't have illuminati we wouldn't have new world orders we wouldn't have all this stuff that goes global on financial crisis <laughs> we wouldn't have any we wouldn't of it. Have it we would just have consciousness and self-responsibility and glorious oneness you know, and we would allow people to work out their stuff and heal however they needed to and be there when they were ready, you know. So we are no, actually... That, that would be it. Now. That would yeah. be it. It would be a really, really, really simple thing. So thanks, Nance. This has been really cool. Yeah, we knew it would be cool. Yeah, we knew it would be we always do, we always do. So thank you everybody for listening in and if you've got any questions about the show or any feedback, you can uh, put it on Facebook and if you want to have a go at me about this, by all means do. That's not a yeah, problem. Yeah, that's I'm saying. How it feels. If anybody wants, yeah, any, yeah, anybody wants anything cleared up or explained better, that's fine. Exactly. Exactly. might be an angle I never really thought of. Exactly. Thanks everybody. But you know, see you next time. Or. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.